Welcome to Short Course, episode 113, for October 13th, 2023. I'm your host, Ben Barry. As you can hear, I'm somehow still not completely over whatever this flu, cough, cold, whatever it is that I've had. It just keeps, it's the the sickness that keeps on giving. So I have not been practicing or, or shooting really anything in the last few weeks. I'm just trying to get over this cold, keep up with work, and keep up with the kid. So I was trying to think about what would be a good constructive topic to talk about on the podcast tonight. Something that isn't, you know, I feel like we talk about a lot of politics and drama and there's a time and a place for that. But honestly, there really hasn't been that much going on in the past week or two to cover. And so I was just trying to think of what would be something, a a topic, something constructive, something about potentially improving the sport and moving it forward in you know, not one of the traditional topics that comes up all the time, you know, production 15, what should nationals look like, that kind of thing. I mean, we, I think those are all important topics, but they've kind of been hashed to death. I think everybody kind of has their opinion on them. And I I don't know that anybody really is changing their mind at this point. Although who knows, maybe, maybe people will uh, be persuaded, but something that, that I've just kind of been contemplating is this idea of the rules of USPSA and the fact that there there are sort of three categories of rules. There are things that USPSA requires, there are things that USPSA allows, and there are things that USPSA bans. And obviously this is true for any kind of sport, uh, you know, any set of rule set, basically to some degree will fall into to these three categories. And I mean, some rules kind of are both. So for example, in USPSA, at least in the the handgun rules or what used to be called the handgun rules that are now the, I guess they just call them the competition rules because handgun plus PCC, all steel targets, all scoring steel targets have to fall, which sort of by inverting that says static steel targets aren't allowed. Now you can have static steel no shoots and static steel hardcover. So there's, there's a little bit of gray area there, but for the most part, uh, the, the when you think about scoring steel targets, they have to fall. There is no such thing as steel targets where you're calling hits to to score them, which is allowed in well, it's, it's the whole basis of steel challenge, but it's also allowed in in multi gun rules, where in that case it's more of a logistical challenge. I, I think that you typically see that with I don't I don't actually know multi gun well enough to be sure. I don't know if it's a requirement that only rifle targets can be static steel that's called, but that's generally where you'll see it, where it's just not realistic to have somebody go reset a hundred yard falling popper, uh, you know, that's a rifle target on every, every stage. So that's an affordance that's been made there. So you can, you can look at that as a rule where what is required is scoring steel must fall to score by inverse in the, in the handgun rules, static scoring steel is, is not allowed. You can look at, say, how what start conditions are allowed. You know, there are certain things that are banned. The competitor may never start touching magazines, touching ammo, or touching the gun. So, you know, there, there are just certain start positions, like, say, hand on the gun in the holster. That's, it's just not allowed. Uh, but, you know, within what is allowed, we tend to see sort of the same mix of, of, of start positions in different combinations. You might have holstered, unloaded, holstered. Uh, magazine in empty chamber, you know, and then obviously loaded and holstered, you might have empty on the table, you might have loaded on the table, you might have laying on a table, magazine in chamber empty. And so, you know, you kind of get permutations of these, but they're all within this relatively narrow bound of what is allowed, which basically exists in the space between what's required 
and what's what's banned. Another example is so in other sports, you know, you might see a, a stage gun or, a, you know, a, a pickup gun or something like that in the stage where everybody has to shoot some rounds with a gun. And, you know, some matches will do that off the clock and then you start the, the timer and then you shoot with your gun. But USPSA says, no, none of that. No, no shooting multiple guns. And again, this is, I'm speaking specifically of the handgun rules. Obviously in multi-gun, you are allowed to, to handle and use multiple guns. But I believe even there, stage guns are not allowed. But again, my, my knowledge of the multi-gun rules isn't that complete, but I believe it's, you know, it's just one of those things you don't see at USPSA matches, which is somewhat, or at least used to be somewhat common at other matches. And, you know, I think that's a pretty reasonable one. I think something like a stage gun where all the competitors don't have an equal chance to sort of be familiar with the gun. Well, you know, like, let's say national says, well, we're going to have a stage gun and it's going to be a a Glock 19. Well, okay, now there's this element of, oh, do I need to find a Glock 19 to practice with if I want to be prepared for nationals? And and so th- there's a competitive equity aspect to stage guns. So I, I, you know, I think that's one of these rules that it makes sense to just say, no, the competitor competes with their own equipment, just what they bring, at, at least on the clock. I mean, like I said, I've seen, I want to say it was maybe a three gun nation or something. There, there was some, there were matches a few years ago. I feel like I, I remember seeing where there would be some kind of stage or demo gun and you would basically have to fire a couple of rounds and then set the gun down and then you get the start beep. So the firing the gun was off the clock, but it was sort of a distraction. Just, I mean, it wasn't a significant thing if you could just brush it off and get back on your plan. But if it, if it rattled you for some reason, then it was just one more thing to sort of mentally test you. So an interesting example of something that recently went from not allowed to allowed was the the, the rules change in March of this year that allowed fixed time medium courses. And this previously, you were allowed to have fixed time standards and fixed time short courses. And the, the this was expanded to, to medium courses. And this is a part of a sort of fad or trend that, that we've started seeing, primarily because they national has started having some of these fixed time not quite field courses, but fixed time, small stages with a few positions. And so, you know, it's, it's a novelty. It's a new thing. It's outside the mold. And so most, a lot of major matches, you're seeing at least one of these fixed time stages that is a a a two or three position short or medium course. And for reasons that maybe I'll go into on another podcast, I, I actually don't think that concept adds much to the sport if for no other reason than the fact that there is no ability to specify different fixed times for different divisions and trying to set a single fixed time for all nine divisions, eight handgun and PCC, it's just anything that's going to be challenging to open is going to be impossible to revolver and vice versa. So there's there's this element of, of fixed time that I think it has its downsides, as well as just the fact that I don't really see the point of stopping the shooter halfway through and and forcing them to, to stop shooting. It's like if the person already loaded, they made ready, they they loaded their mags. They came to the match. Like, why not just let them finish the stage? And then whatever their time is, is the time. You know, when I look at any of these fixed time field courses, I just, it, to me, I look at it and I say, to me, it would be better Comstock. But I know that's a controversial opinion. A lot of guys like the novelty. They say it's, oh, it, it provides a different challenge. You, you know, you, you get to pick which targets to skip, which I mean, really, that's the only strategy you have is do you want to shoot the hard targets or do you want to skip them? But leaving all that aside, what I think is interesting is the fact that what we have seen is when options like that have been added to the sport. And again, this is a very small change to allow 
fixed time, medium courses, but we are starting to see more of those. Obviously stage designers, and you know, I can say this as someone who's been a stage designer, you're always kind of looking for ways to inject some novelty into your stages. And in a lot of cases, this comes from trying to find novel target arrangements or interesting challenges to present with the same old props. But you know, when, when the rules come along and say, Hey, you can just declare this stage to have a certain set of rules. Well, there you go. There's some, there's some free novelty. You can kind of make a, a stage that's different. Is it better? In my opinion, in this case, not really, but it's certainly different. And the reason I bring all this up, and I've, I've discussed this before on the podcast, but I have been involved as a co-match director at a, an indoor match here in Raleigh for a little over two years now. And you know, my role is the part of the match director that I do is all the stats and all the stage design and, and checking the the setup. I actually, these days, the setup crew is so good that by the time I get to the match, they've got everything pretty much in place. And, you know, at most I have to, as I've gotten better at sort of marking my intention on the diagram, there's been less and less that I have to tweak, but just walking through the stage and making sure that what I was imagining made it onto the ground. And what has been interesting about this match, it's an indoor match and we have two bays and we set up four stages, two on each bay. And the the design is that basically I, I design Typically on, on one of the bays, I'll design sort of a full 20, 22 round field course, something like that with three or four positions. And then somewhere within that, I'll find a, a, a way to break up a set of targets. Maybe I put some shooting boxes off to the side outside the shooting area and I sort of make a smaller stage that's maybe 12 rounds typically. And that side of the range tends to be fairly prop heavy because when you've got eight or nine wall sections, like what I'm working with. It, sometimes it's better to just use all eight and make one kind of really interesting stage. And then on the other side of the range, use maybe one or two walls just as sort of visual dividers. And then otherwise build stages where the challenge is less in the physical construction of the stage and more in the stage brief. And again, this is, this comes out of this, this props restriction, but also to some degree, just the, the limitations of the range and the, the angles and, and whatnot. And so over the years, I've had to, and I think had the opportunity to, to get creative. And one of the things that I like about this match is, as I've said before, we run it as an outlaw time plus match. So we basically just have you know one page of basic scoring and safety rules. And then pretty much each stage is just whatever the stage brief says it is. And so over the years, I've, I've kind of tried to come up with interesting ways to use, you know, to, to make an interesting stage with nothing more than three target stands and three barrels. And so, you know, sometimes that'll look something like having a card on each barrel and, you know, the cards are face down and maybe it's, you know, a one, a two and a three. And at the barrel, you turn over the card and that's how many shots you fire from that barrel at each target. Or, you know, you'll paint symbols on each target and, you know, the you turn over the card and that indicates which target you shoot from that position. So, you know, those kinds of things where you can come up with something that is a, an interesting challenge, but doesn't require barely any props at all. And I what is what is completely critical is fair to every shooter no matter which draw of the cards they get and is un is not overly difficult to administer so you can pretty easily tell okay they're shooting at the left target the right target or the middle target it's you're not doing this from 50 yards away where you can't tell the difference you're you're close enough to the target that you can kind of see if they're shooting the right target and then yeah i mean at the end of the mat at the end of the stage you walk down and you score the target and if the you know the the target has the wrong number of holes in it or something, well, then you just score the holes on the target. So 
So I always try and come up with these to devise these so that no matter what the arrangement of the cards or, you know, whatever draw the shooter gets, it's not like there's a, a lucky good order and a, a an unlucky bad order where you get, you know, the hard target from the, the closer shot and you get an easy target from further back. So typically the barrels are all in a line. So the shots are equidistant, that kind of thing. But, you know, the, the to some degree, there's there's some creativity there. There, there are options. The one stage, gosh, it's probably been over a year since I did this. I should probably reuse this idea now that I think about it. But I just had a stage where you just started standing behind a barrel and the timer just started on the barrel in front of you. And to start the stage, you press the button on the timer and then you had to move down range so the, the RO could could pick up the timer and follow you with it. But again, it was just one of these things where that that's not a legal USPSA stage, but I thought that it kind of added just a little bit of variation. Was it a challenge? I don't know. I mean, but it was different. It definitely threw some people for a loop, this idea of, you know, press the start the start the stage whenever you're ready. So there was sort of some room for novelty there. I also at was this last month, the month before, I had a stage where you you drew the gun and there were three targets at 7 yards or whatever. The, the shooting difficulty was not high. But you shot each target once, did a mandatory reload, shot each target twice, and then had to do a second mandatory reload where you put the mag that started in the gun back in the gun. So basically the idea was, what was implied by the stage brief, is when you do that first mandatory reload, do it in a controlled way so that as you're taking that magazine out, you're either setting it on the barrel in front of you, on the magnet on your belt, putting it in your pocket, whatever you want. But the challenge in front of the shooter was just to have this little element of gun manipulation where you weren't just doing a speed reload and grabbing the mag out of your pouch. You had to take the magazine out of the gun and not in a sort of IDPA stow it in your clothes kind of way, but you had to control where it went just enough so that you could retrieve it later. I thought it was a pretty interesting stage. People found it pretty challenging. It was only 12 shots. Again, the shot difficulty was not high, but it was it was an interesting test of gun handling and just being able to do slightly unusual tasks using sort of familiar operations, but in an unusual order. So th those are some of the things that I think are just kind of neat. I don't know that adding stuff like that to USPSA would really fundamentally change it. But some of the other things that I've done, uh, two in particular come to mind. There's there's uh, a couple of stages I've set up using, we have a, you know, a wall with a port in the middle. And I'll just, in the stage, the way it's built, all shots fired through that port have to be fired stronghand only. And so this is a way to add the element of stronghand in a way that is freestyle in the sense that I can construct the stage so that you can go to the port at different times in the stage. Maybe you you go you know to the back left and the back right, and then you finish in the middle at the port. So you're finishing on the strong hand, or if you're more confident in going to strong hand and then reestablishing your two hand grip and coming back to, to, to shooting with two hands, then you can do that. And, and it, it, it sort of, it sort of like makes the, it's almost like a low port where you can choose. Do you want to go to the low port and then get back up? Or do you want to end your stage on the low port? And similarly, I've done other stages where you, in this, in the one I'm thinking of, it was a box to box stage. There were basically three boxes and one of the boxes, all shots had to be fired strong hand. But I've also thought about, and again, I'm, I got to design my stages for this month, this weekend. So maybe I'll do this basically just having sort of a, a separate shooting area where, Hey, you've got this big shooting area where you can shoot everything freestyle, but any shots fired from this other shooting area, whether it's demarcated, ideally, if this were USPSA and we were writing rules for it, it maybe you would have to say the fault lines have to be a different color or have, you know, some kind of demarcation like that. But however you do it, make it so that there's a sort of 
sub shooting area or second shooting area, however you want to term it, where all shots fired. And again, you'd have to get really careful with the wording. Is it if one foot is in the shooting area or both feet? So you'd have to, you know, adjudicate it. You'd have to, you have to come up with a way to adjudicate it, but have a way to integrate one-handed shooting into a stage. And this is in contrast to the current USPSA rules where basically the only two options for mandating one-handed shooting, one is at the end of a medium or long course, you can specify that the last six shots must be taken uh, one-handed, either all strong hand or all weak hand. Or you can have a stage that does require movement and mandates shooting with, with one hand, but it has to be Virginia count and it has to be multiple strings because it has to be a standard standards exercise. So for example, I think it was carry optics nationals two years ago, maybe last year there was a, there was a stage where it was six or seven targets. And the brief was string one, shoot everything once freestyle mandatory reload, shoot everything once strong hand. And this, and it was like a three position stage. So you had to, you know, each string, your time was, I mean, it was, it was eight or 10 seconds. I mean, it was significant. And then you, the second string was the same thing. Shoot everything with one round mandatory reload. And then we can shoot everything one shot. But again, because it, because it had to be a standard exercise, it had to be Virginia count, which to me undercuts part of the value of one-handed shooting. I want people to be able to call bad shots when they're shooting one-handed as though it were freestyle. So to me, the the standards exercise way of enforcing one-handed shooting, in addition to the whole having to be two strings, the, the fact that it has to be Virginia count to me is just not interesting. I just, in general, I find Virginia count not interesting. You, you, we should be encouraging people if they call a bad shot, if they see a bad shot, fire a makeup. That that's what you know, not this mandatory. Oh, you, you don't don't shoot any extras because you know then you'll get in big trouble. It just, I to me, it doesn't add anything to the sport. Encouraging people to 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 call their shots and not having to be overly careful before they break every shot you know, take just enough time, but no more that, that whole element of speed. So anyway, those are the two ways to have stages with movement. There's also the, the third way you can mandate one-handed shooting is a, is a speed shoot, but a speed shoot has to be all from one position. So th- that's not, that's not really what we're talking about here. On the flip side in IPSC, they can just declare that all the, the whole thing for a, a short or medium course has to be shot one-handed, which to me, I mean, I think that's that's somewhat better. That gets us more to the ability to have Comstock freestyle one-handed shooting tested in stages. But to me, that this idea of if we can come up with a set of rules that can be fairly administered, whether it's you know both feet in a certain demarcated shooting area or all shots through a given port or other stuff that that I haven't thought of. But just this idea of having a way to integrate one-handed shooting as a freestyle element of the stage, again, similar to a low port or, or a lean or something like that, I think there's interesting options there. And so I just, it's one of those things where, right, the, the old proverb about the young fish swimming along and they, yeah, the old fish asks them, how's, how's the water? And they're like, what's water, right? We, we get so used to swimming in this milieu and, and shooting USPSA stages that we don't even really think about things like stage guns, which at least when I shot more IDPA were somewhat common and, and all these things that we just kind of forget that they're options. And I don't think that we should throw the doors open. Like I said, I don't, I don't think stage guns add interesting competitive uh, options. So I don't know that I, I don't necessarily want to allow everything, but I do think it's interesting to sort of look at all the things that 
that are not allowed in stages where it's basically we have decided there's no way you can build a fair, interesting, challenging, competitive stage with this element in it. And, you know, if that element is something like static steel where you have to call hits, I actually don't entirely disagree. The idea that steel has to fall to score and then it's unambiguous, either it fell or it didn't. And there's no arguing over, I heard a ding or, you know, here's a little, like there, there's an element there where, yes, just saying static steel for, for handgun matches is just a no-go. I'm fine with that rule. Now, I don't necessarily understand the rule that says plates are not allowed to be used at level three and four matches, which again was one of the rules added in the recent rules update. To me, if, if plates are unreliable, they should be banned at all levels. I don't understand why only allow them at lower level matches. We've seen that they can be used responsibly. I mean, this I think this this uh the the irony was not lost that this rule change went through five months after the world shoot, where I think there were something like fifty falling plates in the match, and by from what I heard, there were no issues because they were built with solid bases where shooting the base wouldn't cause the target to fall over. So, you know, what this all comes down to is I do think that the the core flavor, the core spirit of USPSA IPSE stage design as it exists is generally good, but it is interesting to just think about the fact that we do have these restrictions on certain things that the the rules are basically saying there is, like I said, there's no fair competitive way to establish a stage that includes this element in it. And I think if we decide to, if we sit down and say, is there a way that we can come up with a way to fairly adjudicate a way to you know, all shots through a certain port or all shots from a certain box have to be shot one-handed just, just as an example, but just to, to think about the rules that we sort of almost sometimes forget are there and just think about, are there options for making USPSA more to, to use a word I hate when it's applied to gear divisions, more inclusive in the sense of allowing, but not requiring certain things of stage designers. And part of what plays into this thought process as well is looking around at other sports or, or rule sets, things like say tactical games or things like a finish and desert and woodland brutality. These other matches that have, have gone outlaw because they don't, you know, they want to do stuff at their match that is different from what is sanctioned under any, any conventional rule set. And I mean, you know, honestly, my, my little outlaw match has basically done the same thing. And just looking at those things and saying, A, what can we learn from them? And B, if we wanted to have a way to incorporate some of those rules into USPSA or allow variances, right? Say, you know, your typical USPSA match, X, Y, and Z isn't allowed, but this is a, a level two or, you know, we've gotten a approval just like you get approval for your stages, you can get approval for some kind of rules variance where you can say, yes, this this particular stage is not technically legal, but we've gotten it approved by NROI and it's, you know, we we've we've proven to them that we can administer that we have a plan to administer this in a fair way and they've signed off on it. To me, that would be a great way to start experimenting, a great way to let matches and match directors come up with ideas, but have them sort of filtered through some kind of information clearinghouse. And obviously for, for my purposes, I would just love to see what is what is going back and forth. I, I would love to see what variances other people are applying for, what ideas they're trying to to apply. And you know, obviously, you know, in my case it might be, okay, I'm gonna build a stage and the the port marked in green, all shots through the green port have to be one hand only. And if I get to sign off on that and then 
we run it at a match and we see how it goes and we report back. And this sort of would provide a, a breeding ground or a, a source of ideas for, hey, here's something that's actually starting to get some traction that, that people find interesting. Let's find a way that we can incorporate it into the USPSA rule set. Because I, I definitely think that we tend to be very, we tend to think that we've got the best thing going. And and I don't think that, that USPSA looks around and says, hey, what can we learn from the other sports the way that, that, that we might? And so, you know, to me, that's one of the reasons, like I've said before, that I really actually enjoy running this outlaw match because it gives me this opportunity to design stages in a very different way from the stages that I design for our, our level one Sir Walter Gun Club USPSA match. Because those, you know, the in a weird way, you know, I have a lot more props to work with. I have more space to work with. I can use steel where at the indoor match, we have the plastic falling plates, which are great, by the way, highly recommended. If you're running an indoor match, get some, but I have more resources at, at the, the outdoor USPSA match, but in a lot of ways, the, the scarcity of resources, the, the, the fact that sometimes I'm just out of walls or I only have, I have to come up with an interesting stage using a, a single eight foot wall and a single four foot wall, because that's according to my props budget, all that was left over when I designed out this, you know, the bigger stage that I wanted to, to sort of force a certain type of movement or a certain, a certain sort of flavor of stage to me, having to get creative in those limited constraints is actually kind of fun. And I, I think I've actually come up with a few interesting options. I'm sure there are dozens more out there. I mean, people are putting on matches all the time, especially outside of USPSA people put on, you know, outlaw and IDPA matches. I mean, a lot of these go to the place, turn over the card type stage. I, you know, I saw that first at, at IDPA matches and, um, you know, there are just tons of ideas of like this out there. And I think it, I think it would be a good thing. You know, when, again, when we look at how much people have picked up on this fixed, uh, fixed time medium course idea, I think if we could continue to, you know, once a year, once every two years, just look and say, hey, are there other interesting things that other rule sets are doing or that, you know, outlaw matches that we're seeing at outlaw matches? Can we find a way to build that into USPSA? Because the way that the rules are now, they are, they, they ban quite a lot. And some of those things are reasonable. I, you know, the, the, the IDPA stage from however long ago, where you had to start with your magazines unloaded and on the clock, you had to stuff bullets in your magazines. And like the game was, oh, like, how many makeup shots do you want to put in your mags? Like, no, that is stupid. But is the, I mean, could you, one of the the rules that is common and you see sometimes in, in other sports is the your gun starts loaded with a certain number of rounds. Would that be interesting to have in USPSA? I, I don't know. I mean, that's not something I've used in my outlaw match. I've never really played with it, but you know, for, certainly one of the things that, that we do use in the outlaw match is the idea that you just have to reload somewhere during the stage, which I mean, is, is there a problem with that? Could, could USPSA have a rule that says on short or medium courses? So basically, you know, in USPSA terms, uh, because our medium course only goes up to 20 rounds, where in IPSC it's a 24 round medium course. But in either scenario, in, in, a, in a shorter medium course, most divisions these days, carry optics, limited optics, are not going to have to do a reload. Would it be interesting to say somewhere between your first and last shot, you have to stick a reload? I mean, for the purposes of, of my outlaw match, we do that a lot because part of the goal is to equalize gear to some degree. You can bring your big sticks, but you're never going to shoot 20 rounds without a mandatory reload anyway. 
So there's not really an advantage to it. You can practice with that gear if that's what you compete with and that's what you want to shoot with. But it's it the the way the rules are set up, having the big sticks isn't and it isn't an advantage because it doesn't really save you from having to do any reloads. Someone with stock 17 round magazines will do the same number of reloads as someone with 24 plus one extendo flat follower uh, 140 millimeter magazines or even you know 170 or whatever. So all of this to say, I, I just I think it is interesting and something that I contemplate from time to time of what would it look like if we actually looked at in a measured constrained way did start looking at what interesting options are we not allowing for stage designers that we could allow. And I'm talking about things more than just, oh, let's have fixed time long courses, like shoot me now. That, that's not what I'm talking about. But other things like, is there a way that we can integrate skills like one-handed shooting or whatever else you know you guys are, are thinking about? I mean, a lot of times you'll see stage designers do really elaborate stuff to require you to to, to carry an object through a stage? Is there a way that, that we could do one-handed shooting in that way where it's just defined in some clearly enforceable way in the stage brief so that the competitor knows what is and isn't allowed? ROs know it's pretty clear whether or not to give a penalty. Like that's the key. I don't want to introduce a bunch of gray area because I think, I do think that has been the goal. I think that's what USPSA has, has optimized for is A, have rules that are as clearly enforceable as possible and don't allow for any gray area, such as, oh, like which target was I shooting at through, you know, from this box or, you know, that kind of thing. And B, to some degree, just trying to make sure that really, truly terrible stage designs are not allowed. But that comes at a cost. There, there is an element where the more that you chop off the bottom end of the, the options, the more you chop off the top end too. And so, you know, the question is, is there a way that we can, we can widen the range? So yes, maybe some of these new rules Will be would be theoretically used by bad match directors to make bad stages, sure, but they don't need any help. Bad match directors are going to find ways to make bad stages or just straight up illegal stages anyway. So to some degree, I don't want to optimize the whole sport around trying to, to catch those guys. But I do think that it would be interesting just to look around and say, you know, what are the challenges that are valid, enforceable shooting challenges that USPSA rules do not currently allow. And is there a way that we can update the rules or allow some kind of one-off variance or exception for, for a given match? If somebody did want to run a tactical games USPSA hybrid, what would that look like? Could they come up with some kind of scoring system or whatever it would be, some kind of procedural, some kind of written stage brief that would mandate the kind of challenges that sometimes you see at a, at a tactical games or a brutality match or something like that. What would it look like? I'm, I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm just saying, I think it's an interesting conversation to have because the more, the, the, the more inflexible USPSA is as a rule set, the more people will just go around it. They'll say, well, you know, USPSA doesn't allow me to do what I want to do. So I'm going to make my own thing. And if we had a way that somebody could you know, call it a, a remix or a, you know, USPSA plus match where yes, all the USPSA rules apply. And then this one sheet of paper is all the stuff that's non-standard. This is what you got to know. And, you know, maybe that one sheet of paper is they have a new division that is guns that fit in a Glock 19 size box or smaller, or, you know, I mean, just let to some degree have a way for matches to experiment within the framework of USPSA saying, Yes, all the USPSA rules still apply. You you have all of those sort of protections and guarantees and, and ambiguities resolved, but we just have this little bit extra that we're doing. 
And again, all this has to go to, to NROI and they have to keep tabs on it just so they can rein in the really crazy stuff. If somebody, you know, is, is making like 357 Magnum revolver division that, you you know, that headshots. I mean, just something really goofy. But as long as it's published ahead of time and the competitors know what the rules are, to me, that's fine, right? People, If people know what they're signing up for and they sign up and they decide to shoot that match knowing that the rules are USPSA plus this variance, I don't see a reason to forbid that. I think finding a way to allow that where if someone does want to set up some kind of you know, tactical, physical exercise plus USPSA match. And everybody who knows what they're they're paying their, you know, 200 bucks for or whatever knows what they're signing up for, that they understand that it's it's not a pure USPSA match. It's USPSA with these variances or wish that with this additional rule set or whatever. I think there's something interesting to be done there. And it, I think reaching out to other other sports and sort of finding a way that that if they wanted to, they could run matches under our rules with variances. I I just, I think it's a, it's an interesting topic. It's, you know, as I, as I watch match videos from non-USPSA matches, you know, my brain just sort of thinks, okay, if we wanted to codify this, what would that look like? How would we make this a, how, what would we have, what rules would we have to write to try and make this something that USPSA could encompass? And I just, I think that's, I think it's an interesting topic. It's something that I think about. And I, I figured it was, I figured it'd be an interesting digression for this evening and, and start some interesting conversation and uh, hopefully give you something to, to think about on your drive to the match this weekend or drive to practice or, or wherever it is that you're going while you listen to this. So that wraps up this episode of Short Course. If you want to get in touch with me, my email is bennettberryshooting.com. Talk to you next time.